We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest, you know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, first of all, good to see you, bro. Hope you're doing well. As I was saying to our listeners earlier, a few technical difficulties, but we are here. We're ready to roll. We're ready to talk some Broncos. Uh, first things first, though, before we get to some of the key topics for tonight, what were some of your takeaways since you know Broncos didn't play on a Sunday, uh, two Sundays in a row? This Sunday, what were some of your takeaways from the games? I think one of the themes of this season so far has been the lack of offensive football, a lot of uh, defensive-oriented games, sloppy offensive execution. And from what I saw today, there were a ton of points being scored. I mean, even situations where teams appear dead in the water. And I want to talk about this because the Broncos face them next week. The Minnesota Vikings. When Kirk Cousins went down, Chad, no one gave them a chance. They were considered DOA, and uh, they're going to be in a lost season. They trade for Josh Dobbs midweek. What Dobbs comes in and does is leads them to a victory and then just propels that offense forward. It's like Kirk Cousins you know, was never injured. They didn't miss yeah. a beat at all, and they're missing Justin Jefferson as well. So I say that because it gives Denver – and Broncos country hope that if they can do it, that the Broncos certainly, if they pull off the upset tomorrow – at four and five, they have the quarterback, they have the coach. The only reason why they can't go on a run if offenses now in November are starting to get hot. Indeed, that's that's a, a some very good points. I like seeing the Lions defeat the Chargers. Uh, yeah, that was fun. one of those high scores that you were alluding to, but it also was kind of like a grim uh, reinforcement of what awaits because the Broncos have to face that team, and that's. That's it's just not the same old Lions that everybody uh, thinks they know. Uh, real quick, David, good to see you, the Papa Bear. Appreciate the early super chat, big dog. Before we even went live, you are the man. Uh, he's still still holding on to eleven and six, which I love. Buckham times three, MHH for life, Devin Broncos for life. Really appreciate you, David. Hope you're doing well, big dog. Uh, but Zach, you know, as it relates to the Denver Broncos, it's the last night really of the long wait, two weeks in between games. How are you feeling? I know we we published our Mile High Roundtable article, um, which we've been doing now for over almost 10 years, uh, revealing our picks and whatnot. But have you any reason up to this point 
to have changed how you're viewing this thing Monday night? No, I'm still going into it with my heart and my brain telling me two different things, as usual, about the Broncos. I, I want to fully believe, Chad. I want to fully buy in 100%. I'm just, there's that nagging voice that prevents me from doing so. My, my Broncos conscience after all the years of covering this team, I do think it will be a close game. I do think it won't be a blowout like some are expecting, especially in the national media that are giving the Broncos no chance to win. It's going to come down to a few small things in the fourth quarter. I can absolutely see Denver springing the upset though I really can and if they do four and five look out it's interesting man the NFL is just a it's a weird league in the best sense of the word parody reigns supreme I mean the Dolphins brutalized the Broncos to the tune of a 70 burger back in week three no one needs a reminding of that but then the Broncos defeat the Chiefs and then the very next week, the Chiefs defeat the Dolphins, uh, allowing them to score just 14 points. It's a weird league that we uh, live in, so to speak. And what that tells me, though, is that, indeed, the old axiom, uh, axiom Zach, the, the cliche, any given Sunday, it holds true. And it holds just as true for the Denver Broncos going in to upstate New York as it does any team. Yeah, I mean, if... If they don't, if they've been so Jekyll and Hyde, Chad. It's so tough to really nail down what the Broncos will do on any given Sunday because we've seen the best of them and we've seen the worst of them. And if they go off their game, if they don't play complimentary football, disciplined, yada, yada, for 60 minutes tomorrow night, it's going to be closer to that week three result. But if they do show up on both sides, if the coaching staff is motivated, they have the right game plans and they have a little luck go in their favor, it could go like week eight. It's going to be either or, really no in between. Sean Payton, obviously not about to divulge his game plan, but he did talk about what he viewed as the top key to the Broncos winning this game. We're going to get to that and your comments, super chats, the stars in the chat here in just a brief moment. But first, guys, we got to remind you that you want to make the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, Little Caesars. That's right. Part of your game day, because if you are like uh, the Jensen family, pizza is a big part of your football Sundays, your football, your game day, so to speak. And for us, it's part of the weekly rhythm. In fact, last night, a lot of things going on, gets late, haven't had time to start dinner. So, hey, let's do pizza. No problem, Little Caesars. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Zach, choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you create. Either way, you win. I know when I have those nights, Chad, I don't feel like cooking or I'm in a pinch. I'll grab a, a deep dish cheese or a, definitely some uh, breadsticks, maybe some cheesy bread if I'm feeling a little crazy that day. But uh, everyone wins when you score Little Caesars. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. I see... uh the first face that is etched in the MHH Mount Rushmore. I don't want to keep Zeus waiting and then we'll get to what Sean Payton said. So I want to grab this very generous super chat from Stu McPeak. So good to see you tonight, big dog. Really appreciate you. He says, hi all. How are we feeling about tomorrow night versus Buffalo? Can the Broncos defense keep the momentum going? Yeah. These are the questions, you know, these are the existential questions facing Broncos country uh, after this long in between uh, as far as the buy is concerned. And I feel good about it. You know, I, I picked the Broncos to win. It sounds ridiculous, but it's no, no more ridiculous than expecting the Broncos or picking them, I should say, to win uh, a Chiefs game in week eight that, you know, they haven't defeated them since 2015. I just have kind of a positive feeling, and it could be Zach unfounded, could be proved wrong, but I think that there have now been enough games where we've seen this defensive improvement and it's corresponded obviously to getting a few key guys back because during that worst stretch of the defense, you were missing Justin Simmons and Josie Jewell to go along with their return. uh, You get Baron Browning back and he really, really has been a huge difference maker and listening to Sean Payton uh, yesterday talk about, Hey, do you think he's fully shaken off the rust? You know, he says basically not yet, but he's dang close. And if you're able to Zach post two, sacks on Patrick Mahomes and a forced fumble and you still don't fully have your game legs beneath you that's a really good harbinger of what might be to come so I think the defensive turnaround is for real um we'll see whether or not the the Broncos offense can kind of duplicate what it did last week which is stay on the field by running the ball and converting on third down and when you get to the red zone you score touchdowns not field goals I like their chances but uh, obviously the the odds makers do not Zach it feels like two months, not two weeks, since we last saw the Broncos play a football game. And in those two weeks, I've potted with Scott. I've potted with you, Chad. We've answered a lot of questions pertaining to this game. And, uh, Sue, your question is probably the most popular. Can the Broncos' defense hold true once again? Did they really turn a corner? It was last week or the last game, just an outlier. And we've answered that question ad nauseum. But one thing I've been thinking about lately, it's going to be a very big environment for Denver, Chad. And I brought up this to Scott uh, the other night. I'll bring it up to you again. I'm not sure if it was 2016 or 17. The the Broncos were having a primetime game coming off a bye week facing a Giants team that was winless. And that started the stretch to me where it seemed like primetime games, the Broncos, they were too big for them. The Broncos played too small. They started to press too much. They they played down to their competition in those games. Well, they're going into Buffalo Monday night football, facing a very pissed off bills team. I don't want that environment, the crowd, the energy to get, they have to prove that they're bigger than that. And I'm not worried necessarily on offense. Russell Wilson's been there. Sean Payton's been there. I'm worried about that defense because who is the leader? Vance Joseph. He's never really been there. And to me, until he proves otherwise, He's a guy that you can still wither down. He's a guy that will still crack under the pressure if enough pressure is applied. So I look for the Broncos, their composure and how they handle themselves from the opening whistle tomorrow night. David, again, thank you, buddy. We grabbed David early. I'm going to grab this quote real quick. Um, 
because I think it speaks to really the subject that's on everybody's mind and what both of us just kind of touched on. The key area, the key to winning against Buffalo. Here's Sean Payton yesterday after the final practice. Quote, I think ball security. This is a team, if you look statistically speaking, they cause more fumbles than pretty much anyone in the league. I think they are second. It's being the team, the defense, well-coached. And then he goes on a little bit of a anecdote dump here, talking about Monty Kiffin and Lovey Smith. But then he gets back to uh, this part. They're running and all these things, and you're like, what the heck? The score was this. Two turnovers. Uh, I think Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, and Josh Allen are 33-1, and one, Zach. When they win the turnover battle, there are certain things that you can have, your best plan and effort and everything else, but that is the trump card that can keep you from winning, close quote. So I think it's true. You know, If you look at the Denver Broncos, uh, obviously it's only two games, but their winning streak – you know, we have to celebrate two-game winning streaks in, in Broncos country of late. But if you look at those two victories, Zach, it's no coincidence that Russell Wilson only turned the ball over once, all right, in those two victories, and neither game did he throw an interception. It was a lost fumble against the Chiefs. Meanwhile, the Broncos' defense, I can't recall now off the top of my head how many they took away from the Packers, but it was two or three, if memory serves, plus five against the Chiefs. That's the model, uh, one of, anyway, one of the indicators, one of the hallmarks, not only protecting the ball, but the flip side of that, one of the reasons why Buffalo's 33-1 and one in those situations is you win the turnover battle. So it will be a key to this game, just like almost every single NFL game that has ever been. Yeah, there's three major keys to victory on any given Sunday or Monday or Thursday. Like you mentioned two of them. The third is have a really strong rushing attack on offense. And that's something that's coalesced with the Broncos winning streak as well. Javante Williams looks fantastic. Uh, uh, P. Ryan and McLaughlin are kind of mixing in well, mixing in well as well. That's something you have to do against elite teams. And we talked about that in the past, or at least I did when referring to the Brady-led Patriots, an elite team. We talked about it that way when talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and it applies to the Bills as well. They're an elite team, and to beat an elite team, you can't make any mistakes. The margin for error is already so small, and it withers down even smaller when you turn the ball over, when you you know shoot yourself in the foot. If the Broncos want to go in there tomorrow night, and emerge victorious, That's they have to employ the same exact strategy and also execute it like we saw against Kansas City. And I don't I don't think it was just a case, Zach, of catching the, the Chiefs slipping, so to speak. Like, though the Chiefs, even though the final score, 24-9, the Broncos, um, they did handle that game, but the Chiefs battled hard, and especially that defense, man. Like, the Broncos had their successes. They ran the ball well. They did well on third down. They did well in the red zone. But they had to battle for every inch of ground that the Bills, uh, or pardon me, the Chiefs gave up. And they succeeded. They persevered. They did it. I agree 100%. We said this on the gut reaction after that game, that that's the model. Three-phase competency yep. through 60 minutes, period, end of story. Can you win games where it's not three-phase competency for 60 minutes? Like maybe the offense balls out and puts up so many points, but the defense kind of falters and it's a shootout. But thank goodness for that offense and the special teams just kind of does its job. Yeah, you can win. We saw a lot of Peyton Manning games uh, back in the day with for the Denver Broncos that were basically that model before 2015. I'll say before 2014. But if you can do what you did against the Chiefs, three-phase dominance, 
oh man, that's that's the model. It's impervious. That's how you win. It's it's unbeatable uh, unless you run in Zach to an opponent. You know, it's a, the what is the unstoppable force meets the immovable object, where it's three phase uh, competence on both sides. Mike, thank you, bro. So good to see you tonight, big dog. Hope you're doing well. The Ronk in the house. Appreciate you, Mike, as always. Miguel, let's see what's on his mind. Appreciate you. As always, big dog. He says, uh, what's up, fellas? Man, went into the bye just to wait till Monday night. Way too long without Broncos football. Sheesh, been a long two weeks. Yeah, that's the that's the always kind of, in my opinion, the pits when you, you get the bye and then the next game, Zach, is on a Monday. It doesn't happen too often, uh, but it is. Uh, it makes a long wait just a little bit more agonizing. And then if they win this game, we're going to be looking forward to next Sunday night and not next Sunday because they have that primetime game against Minnesota. But you're right, Chad. I mean, if the Broncos can go out and the other team gets paid too, it could be a case where Buffalo just plays better. Both teams bring their A games tomorrow night and Buffalo is just that much stronger and you have to tip your cap, move on and take the L. And I think a lot of people would settle for the Broncos coming into a primetime game in front of the entire world and notoriously, they haven't looked good in front of the entire world in the last seven years and just keep it competitive into the fourth quarter with Buffalo. I do expect that to happen. Somebody fact check me on this, but just going off my memory, the last primetime game that I can recall the Broncos winning was that Niners game, the same yep. game we were at the, the meet and greet last year, the MHH meet and greet last year. Now, I could be looking past something, but um, – Someone fact checked me on that. Phil, in Tucson, proving Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. So good to see you, big dog. Appreciate you. He says, good evening. Let's hope that Allen decides to throw against PS2, Simmons, Locke, and Moreau. I see turnovers coming. Hashtag Buckham Go Broncos, MHH for life. Yeah, that's one of the things. You, you know, you go back to the head-to-head, uh, -head, Zach, that we went through on Thursday night's show. Uh, this year in particular, the Bills defense, what's unique about this season, and it's these two things I'm about to say are a big reason why they're five and four. Uh, the defense, not as dominant. It has kind of regressed a little bit. And then Josh Allen's turning the ball over. You know, he really has struggled uh, to with his, you know, mandate for ball security. And meanwhile, Zach, you have a Broncos defense that is rolling, um, not just in terms of, you know, yardage, points allowed, sacks but i mean they are taking the ball away they're being predatory and opportunistic and it's been a long time since we've been able to say that because even as good as vic fangio's defenses were at times and that uh, defensive wizardry that he is known for they just never were very good at taking the ball away or sacks for that matter uh, and that's when he's had you know two decent pass rushers i guess he only had vaughn and chubb for about four games together on the field that was 2019 and they totaled zero sacks until the fourth game, and then Chubb got hurt in that fourth game when he got a sack finally, but I'm digressing here. So Josh Allen can be got is what I'm saying. There's something going on. Plus, he's got this shoulder, his throwing shoulder, uh, which has caused him to, to be on the injury port of late. He's a full go, but something to monitor. Of the players that were listed there in the comment, I was thinking to myself that two aren't like the others. You know, there's PS2 and Simmons and then PJ Locke and uh, um, Moreau. But my other serious thoughts of that is it's a credit to Christian Parker and even Vance Joseph, former secondary coach, for how well the secondary is playing. And also a shout out to Jaquan McMillian, who has been the answer uh, taking over 
for uh, saying Bassey in the slot and filling in for K1 Williams. That's been a big part of their success lately. The thing with Josh Allen, unlike facing Mahomes, let's say, or Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts, you can force him into mistakes. And I know every you can force every quarterback into mistakes, but basically you get either good Josh Allen or bad Josh Allen on any given occasion, any given game day. And you have to force him into being bad Josh. And when he's bad Josh, he looks pretty bad. He looks very pedestrian. He will turn the ball over at will. He'll take unnecessary risks as a runner and as a passer, and he can lose the Buffalo Bills the game. And the, it's on the Broncos' defense from the opening whistle, like they did against Mahomes, flu or not, to put him in that position where he's flustered, even at home, and forcing those turnovers. You know, again, there's something going with the defense, too, with that young trio of pass rushers. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, four and a half sacks, Nick Benito, five and a half. So between the two guys who've basically been the main starters since the season began, you're already at double digit sacks halfway through the season. That's a positive harbinger, even against, you know, or I should say, even in the face of how bad the defense was early on the season, there is that. Although it's worth mentioning, Nick Benito is now going on three games without getting a sack. So it's time for him to you know, gets get one or two in bunches, so to speak. And then you add Baron Browning to that. Um, I'm really, I'm really excited for what it means for the defense. Grover, and by the way, guys, tonight, since we are on the tail end of this long, long bye, we are going to keep it uh, relatively tight on our runtime this evening, especially since we had to start a little bit late. So any burning topics, questions, get them in the chat like Grover did here. Appreciate you, my friend. Good to see you. He says, we did a pretty good job of containing Mahomes, but Josh Allen is a different beast when it comes to running. What do we need to do to keep him in the pocket? Denver Bronx for life, MHH for life. Appreciate that question. Uh, Zach, what's your answer for Grover? It, it's so difficult, Grover. Thank you so much for the question and uh, on your generosity. You have to, number one, in my opinion, be physical at the line of scrimmage with his receivers. It's a very timing-based offense with where he wants to go to Diggs and Gabe Davis and Shakir and uh, and Kincaid. You have to be physical like they were. Credit to them as well, again, against the Chiefs. Very physical in their faces, a lot of man coverage. You can't over-pursue Allen. I was going to say when you were talking about the edge rushers, this is Baron Browning's game. He is the Broncos' best edge player, and if he wants to – you know, more from Denver household name to NFL household name, what better stage than Monday Night Football? This is his game to get after Allen, but you have to be smart. You can't over-pursue and allow him to step up, and you can't allow the pocket to be crashed because he'll find a way out of there. To keep him in the pocket, like I say, make him hold on to the football, take away his sides, but when you take away his his edges, you can't, you know, overcompensate either. It's, it's easier said than done, trust me. It really is, man. It's a talk about walking a razor's edge. It's not easy. And I don't think there is any perfect way or surefire way. Let me put it that way uh, to get that done. You need a lot of different things to kind of go your way. And it's going to be difficult for the Broncos. And not only is he athletic with the ball in his hands when he decides to take off, but you know, he's big, man. He's like Cam Newton running around out there. He can be tough to to take down um, lots more to get to guys before we do got to say, Hey, look, you got Thanksgiving coming up. Are you ready to spice things up is the question. As we dive headfirst into mountains of mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce, let's talk about the unsung hero of the holiday season. That's right. The manscaped lawnmower 5.0 ultra. It's time to go cold Turkey on your old razor and take care of your, <laughs> 
Take care of yourself. All right. I can't, I can't say this. Nick would have said it. I can't say it. Uh, visit manscaped.com and use our code huddle for 20% off and free shipping and enjoy Thanksgiving in style with the lawnmower 5.0 ultra gobble gobble boys. <laughs> and don't forget guys uh, that you can use the lawnmower and other manscape products on your face. I'm always promoting it for a reason. I let this grow intentionally because uh, come uh, either Monday show or Thursday show, I will be nice and clean shaven uh, to an extent. And that's because of manscape lawnmower cannot recommend it highly enough. Jed. That's right. So get 20% off and free shipping with our code huddle at manscape.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscape.com. When you use our code huddle, be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your uh, nether regions, uh, regions will thank you. All right, back into the chat here. Let's see what uh, Scott, hey, dude, just throwing down. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much. You have become a bona fide uh, supporter, super supporter on Facebook, and we really, really appreciate you, my friend. Seriously. Uh, Claude as well, the water champ. So good to see you, big dog. Thank you. Uh, hope you're doing well. Um, I want to grab this real quick from uh, the Ronk. He says, this is a game against the Bills that has lots of playoff implications for the Bills more than the Broncos, at least at this stage. That's absolutely true. If the Broncos can win this game, we can start talking about playoffs for real. That's a, a, a notion, Zach, that I've heard um, promulgated quite a bit, including many people at MHH. And I've said to a point, I've said, hey, you beat the Chiefs. I mean, there's one thing you, you won at home against Green Bay after going into that game, Zach, as a team that had only won a single game. It was good to get that win. Almost lost it for whatever it's worth, but you still won. Then you beat the Chiefs and everyone's going, okay, okay, maybe this whole Sean Payton thing, the owners knew exactly what they were doing all along. Uh, and I su subscribe to that notion. But if you beat the Bills, now we're, took, we're really talking about something entirely different, or at least, Zach, something that – you know, three weeks into the season, nobody could have even like contemplated as a as a feasible outcome of this season, which is playoffs, playoffs. It's on the table, but you got to beat the quality opponents, not just one for the season. And then, you, you know, that can't have been your Super Bowl if you're the Broncos defeating the Chiefs. This season's been so bipolar, you know, hasn't it? It felt like three or four seasons in one. There was so much hype coming in, and then you lose your first two games. You get blown out the third game. Everyone's talking tank. You win one, and then people are getting a little hype again. Then you lose to Nathaniel Hackett. Then you win a couple. You beat the Chiefs, and people are talking maybe playoffs, a winning record. It's It's been very, very, uh, I don't know. Action packed so far, I will say that. But the, you asked me earlier, Chad, what my thoughts were going into the game if they remain unchanged. One thing that hasn't been changed in my mind, this is the pressure point of Denver season. I kind of said it after last week's game, but it even makes more sense now. If you win, you're four and five, and you're right in the thick of the playoffs coming off wins against two Titans in Kansas City and Buffalo. If you lose, the reality is you wouldn't be mathematically eliminated, but at three and six, that's like the pin popping the balloon that the Broncos have built up in recent weeks. At three and six, you have to start taking a pragmatic approach to the future and maybe discussing draft positioning, 2024 quarterback. That's the reality of the situation. The Broncos season quite literally rests on the game tomorrow night. Especially, I mean, the importance of this game becomes even more of a focus when you look at the remaining schedule. I mean, 
before the season started, you know, that's that's one of, again, one of the cool things about the NFL teams that you kind of look at as maybe not gimmies, but victories on a schedule. All of a sudden they're they're in question. But like this Bills game, OK, then you got to play a, a suddenly resurgent Vikings uh, in week 11. Then you get the Browns uh, who have been playing good ball. Then you get the Texans. I mean, these are two teams that you yeah. didn't really see on the schedule before this season started as all that big of threats to any team, including a, a a team like the Broncos that's been living in the NFL doldrums. After the Texans in week 14, you get your first uh, opportunity to cross swords with Justin Herbert and the Chargers in L.A. All right, then you're uh, on the road again going east to play the Lions, all right, week 15. Then you come home and you play a Patriots squad that is reeling uh, the Chargers again at home this time in week 17. Then your uh, revenge opportunity with the Raiders to close out the season. So there really is not a gimme game or even an opponent left on the schedule, Zach, perhaps other than the Patriots. But even then, it's Belichick, you know, and that's a guy that of all the coaches outside of, you know, the, the actual coaching tree Sean Payton comes from, Bell Belichick, he's the guy that he bows down to, man. Like he's he's stolen and not, you know, in the in the best sense, I guess a lot of his approach and things and the way he kind of uh, looks at things from the the Patriots model over the years and put his own spin on it. And it's worked really well for Sean Payton, but I don't write off any game in which Bill Belichick is the guy coaching the other team. I don't either. And, you know, you mentioned all the teams and it, right now teams are getting hot and it seems like a murderer's row. And that's why we stress, but when the schedule came out the day of that, the Broncos have to take advantage of that first block, the first quarter and win the beatable games losing to the Raiders and the commanders in consecutive weeks at home, no less was the, could be the nail in the Broncos coffin. You know, Chad, though, to go on a run and not only do they play the NFL's hottest team, by the way, next Sunday night, the, the Vikings who won five straight now, if you want to make the playoffs at four and five with the opponents you have coming up, I feel like, and maybe you guys disagree, the only way you're going to do that is if you ride the momentum of a three-game winning streak that includes upsets of the Chiefs and Bills. Because that would mean, if they pull it off tomorrow night, that this team has turned a corner, that this team has found themselves, that this team is getting hot at the right time. And teams that do that usually end up going to the postseason or coming very, very close to it. You can't reach the postseason, in my opinion, if you lose to the Bills and drop to three and six and you have those teams coming up. You're going to need this game to do it. That's why I say the season really rests in the Broncos' hands at Orchard Park. Especially when uh, you, know, you look at the AFC landscape. I mean, you've got a six and three Dolphins team leading the AFC East. The Bills currently five and four. So if, you, if they beat the Broncos, they're now six and four you got a seven and two chiefs team you got a seven and three ravens i mean the afc north is legit dude seven and three ravens six and three steelers six and three browns five and four Bengals. i mean the best team arguably in that division is currently bringing up the rear afc south you got the jaguars at six and three you've got two teams in that division that are north of 500 when you throw in the five and four texans so i just that's it, man. Like that's such a good observation. And it's kind of a little bit of a takes the wind out of your sails a little bit, Zach, reminding everybody that we said you got to capitalize on that first quarter schedule, man. You got to capitalize like two and two at worst coming out of the first four. 
three and one ideally, but two and two at worst. And uh, they ended up one and three coming out of that first quarter. So, you know, that just makes all these games all the all that much more important. Not to say that they wouldn't have been important without them, but you get what we're trying to say here. So, you know, this is where the veteran wherewithal and experience of Sean Payton and his coaching staff has to be the difference maker if, Zach, they're going to climb out of the hole they dug early on this season. Yeah, and it's tough because the week one loss was to the Raiders, obviously an AFC team. That's a, you know, interconference opponent. So it kind of just makes it even worse for the Broncos. Yeah, they need to go two and two there, not one and three. And that's why they're in catch-up mode perpetually. And they could still make a run of it. Not saying it's going to happen, but it's not uh, an impossibility that the Broncos can be this Cinderella team. But if they're going to, it starts tomorrow night. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And honestly, I would be a lot less optimistic to it as a possibility. I would be trying to more kind of keep everybody's expectations in check uh, much more assertively if the way the Broncos have been playing was different. In other words, the wins are coming because you're seeing a defense playing very, very, very well in all the best ways and looking at the key metrics from between scoring to takeaways to sacks. Uh, holding teams uh, well shy of 100 yards rushing. I mean, these are building blocks of a foundation of what it takes to win in the league. Then you look at offense and you see an, uh, a running game coming into its own. You see a quarterback that even though every single uh, turnover, Zach, you know, we cry about and it feels worse than maybe it is. But overall, he has done very well to protect the ball this year. 16 touchdowns, four picks. Uh, he does have the fly in the ointment being five fumbles. I can't recall now off the top of my head how many of those were lost, but I want to say most of them have been lost fumbles. Um, that's the fly in the ointment, but he has been improving in that area over the last three weeks, to be honest with you, uh, but especially these two games the Broncos won. So this is a long-winded way of me saying that, you know, they're, the harbingers are there. It's a matter of, hey, man, was that your Super Bowl? Because you expend a lot of energy emotionally if that was your Super Bowl. And it's going to be hard to, you know, it's like a withdrawal, so to speak, you know, and getting back on that horse. Tough to do if that was your Super Bowl. If Sean Payton, Zach, did a good job of conveying to the guys that, look, that was us scratching the surface. That was just, we're just getting started. And everyone's really buying into that, not going, okay. We finally got the media and the fans off our back with this Chiefs thing. You know, let's kind of go back into uh, business as usual. I do trust that Sean Payton and his staff are experienced enough and competent enough to forestall that from happening. But I wouldn't have expected to see what we saw in the first quarter of the season. So, you know, it's the NFL. Anything's possible. You hit on exactly everything I was going to say. Um, the Broncos are showing signs of playing tough defense, uh, defense that takes the football away and actually comes up clutch in uh, situations. You're seeing an offense that's playing gritty, hard-nosed, you know, smash-mouth football, running the football on the ground. You're seeing a coaching staff that's plan is starting to shine through. And most importantly, you touched on it in your, in your closing remarks, 
a team that's believing in themselves, players that believe and see the power of winning and what it can bring for their confidence, what it can bring for their psyche, what it brings to the locker room. Uh, we saw them expel the cancers of Randy Gregory and Frank Clark, and you you, you saw the, the chemistry grow after that. Well, you add two victories to it, one upset at Kansas City. It's really at a, a boiling point in a good way, a, a point that hasn't been seen since Gary Kubiak was in that locker room. So that's all budding signs of a really, strong long-term successful football team but it can all be for not chad i hate to be the last second wet blanket here with this preface if they go out on monday night prime time and they crap the bed and they play too small they they press too hard they play like any other broncos football game we've seen since 2016 well said well said uh guys we are about out of time tonight so anything burning on uh on your mind get it in the chat like right now uh, David says, uh, who's going to block Von Miller? Um, that's that's going to be one of the keys to monitor in this game is the, uh, I mean, most of his rushes, not all, but most of his rushes still come off the right tackle. And we know that Mike McGlinchey, I mean, I was reading the Eric Trickle article on this uh, yesterday, insane that he is halfway through season one in Denver. McGlinchey is literally on pace to be one game away from setting career. You say career highs because that's what people kind of understand, but it's really career lows in sacks allowed and pressures allowed. And he's halfway through a season. Um, he's been great in, in the run game. That's been like, if there is a saving grace up to this point in that spend on Mike McGlinchey, it has been his prowess as a run blocker, but that is going to be a key in this game is McGlinchey versus Vaughn. And this would be, you know, talking about redemption, talking about turnarounds or turning points, I should say, from an individual perspective for Mike McGlinchey, this could be a game where he could begin that turning point in terms of earning back some, some belief and some, some cred with fans and media by doing a good job against Von Miller, which is talk about easier said than done. But Von hasn't been himself up to this point right. as he's returned from that ACL injury. But at the same time, we know he's that Hall of Famer, dude. And any given moment, this dude could could just go off. And we just got to hope and pray it's not against his former team. Mike McGlinchey, you get paid too, big dog. Let's go. Mike, appreciate you, brother. Yeah, I mean, Vaughn's definitely going to play inspired football against the Broncos. His first game against Denver since he was uh, – he was traded. We just have to hope that Mike McGlinchey doesn't go Michael Schofield against Khalil Mack and allow five sacks, six sacks, whatever it was in a single game. But you're right. That's the something that I've noticed as well with Vaughn. Unfortunately, I've been thinking it's time to ha have that conversation. Maybe is Vaughn washed? Did father time catch up to him or is he still just coming off that knee injury? He needs some more time, but it's not just Vaughn. They have to worry about. You have to block Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, Leonard Floyd. Uh, the bills defensive black backs can blitz as well. This is a very aggressive unit and the Broncos are going to have to be on their toes for Vaughn and for everyone else. Indeed. Uh, Phil says, who will be the spy on Josh Allen? That's a good question, man. That's a good question. My guess off the cuff would be, Alex Singleton, uh, but I don't know, man. You got to have someone. You got to have one guy keeping an eye on him to a point. Um, but he's one of those quarterbacks that you know. It's it's you never know, Zach. What what quarterbacks are going to fully capitalize on 
you know, these the, the really great talented guys coming out of the draft. You never know which ones are going to fully reach their potential and capitalize on that talent. Uh, but he was a guy who as raw as he was coming out still took him a year, whatever year and a half, whatever it was. Um, but he is a guy that makes you pay either way. You're damned if you yeah. do damned if you don't, it's a true catch 22, uh, but he has been giving it away. So we'll see if the Broncos can keep that particular trend going, but that's going to be a, a pickle Phil, uh, keeping, keeping Allen in check, especially with Stefan Diggs, greenlit. He's a full go. Um, you know, it's going to be tough. I was going to say, yeah, you can't put someone too good and use them as a spy like Simmons or PS2 uh, because you're going to have to cover the receivers and uh, James Cook out of the backfield. Singleton is a good shout. I I worry, though, he might be too slow laterally to keep up with Josh Allen. That's my one uh, nitpick with Alex Singleton, obviously. Maybe P.J. Locke, though, Chad. Uh, he He's a very physical safety. I think he can work up in the box near, near the line of scrimmage really well and hopefully uh, keep Allen from doing too much damage. We'll see, though. What is it? One more game. And so this is the last game of Kareem Jackson's two game suspension. So they'll get him back for uh, the, the Minnesota game. We'll see. We'll see. But it's going to be a lot of fun to see how it shakes out. Um, Mike, really appreciate those big stars to close things out, my friend. The Ronk throwing down on kind of a quiet night where everyone's kind of like, you know, hurry up already. Let's get to this game. So appreciate you guys. Before you dip out, we got a few messages, though. So hang tight. Great episode of the MHH podcast, guys and gals. If you're not doing so, please follow us on Twitter at the MHH pod. You can also follow the mothership account, the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kilberman NFL, and Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, MHH merch, buck of merch, you know what it is, where it is, MHHmerch.com. Be sure you're checking that out at the link below and also facebook.com slash mile high huddle pod. Be sure you're dropping us a like and follow us there. Also on Instagram at mile underscore high underscore huddle and on Apple Podcasts, make sure you're leaving your football pre safe five star review for a chance to win some merch each and every single month. But if anything, please subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Amen to that. Much love and respect to our Super Chat superstars and supporters tonight. We love you. We appreciate you. More than words can say. Zeus, David, Grover on Facebook. We've got Phil. We've got Miguel. We've got The Ronk. Uh, we've got Scott. Uh, if I missed you, you know we love you. Appreciate you so much. Everything you guys do to, to support us and keep the lights on. We'll be back in the saddle tomorrow night for the gut reaction. It's going to be a late one. Oh, Scott's giving me the hold up. Oh, oh, I'm looking. Oh, I see. Oh, and Claude. Thank you. And Claude, the water champ. It's going to be a late one tomorrow uh, because, of course, the game gut reaction will go literally at the final gun. So everybody be ready. We'll be ready to go. Uh, and we'll see how this thing uh, shakes out, Zach. Yes, we will. We'll see you tomorrow night after the game. Enjoy a good start to your week, good, good ending to your weekend. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.